a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, as is implied by the name of the podcast, Horrible Things. Today, I am joined by Emma and Jalea. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yes, I'm so you. excited to have you guys here with me today. How's your week going? Oh, man, it's going. Did you tell them what we are? Not yet, but I'm going to release that info right now to the general public. These are my roommates, ladies and gentlemen. Ah! Yeah! Spooky. We get to live with Emma. I know. We live together. We all sleep in a tiny, strange room. It's actually, we made it cute, though. It is cute. It'd it's be real cute. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't cute when we got there. No, initially. it wasn't. It was like, a, it had a weird stain on the carpet and it kind of smelled weird. Oh my God. I don't know what that was about. We had yeah. to put like three air fresheners. Yeah. Right we, now. we literally have three air fresheners. Like it's, it's a lot, but now our room looks cute. It has lights. I'll post a video of it on Instagram or something like that, but it's the two Emmas and Jalea. So yes. That's oh fun. yes. I have a roommate named Emma. Yeah, Isn't that kind of crazy? It is pretty crazy. It's crazy. And you know more about yeah, this than I do, but I know two Kates uh, across the floor, across the hall from us. There's two Stephanies. I've heard rumors about two Davids, but I haven't met them yet. And I know there's more that I'm forgetting about. So I think they decided to do it like alphabetically. You know, they just gave up on sorting us. <laughs> <laughs> it's it just so be weird. like that sometimes. Yeah, it's so weird that they that that happened because I'm like. What are the odds, you know? Like, I know there's a lot of Emmas, but, like, Kate, Stephanie, not that many, you know? So, it's kind of weird. But it ended up being for the best, I think, which is good. Yeah. We get along. Yeah, I love you guys. Aw, that's so cute. Okay. So, today on the podcast, this is your guys' first time on the podcast. I'm super excited about that. you probably the first of many times. But I wanted to ask you a question that we pretty much ask um, every single person who's new on the show, which is... What's your past involvement with true crime? Do you listen to your grand podcast? Have you watched documentaries? Like how much do you know about the genre as a whole? And like in what ways has true crime been in your life just in general? Emma, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, didn't get much thinking time. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> that's my whole motto on this podcast. Yay. Very spontaneous. Um, I've watched a few true crime documentaries um and then once i Which watch ones? it oh gosh i don't even remember i like all the missing person cases though that's oh, okay. the kind i get really into and like i'll watch it and then i'll spend like the rest of the week just googling everything there is to know about them yep so when i get into one i get very invested in them but i haven't listened to the and like any podcasts i don't know i find it all cool though because both of you guys interestingly enough guys um both of them went to private christian high schools i'm interested because like at my high school a lot of people liked true crime. Like, it wasn't that weird that to like true crime. A lot of people did. People knew a lot about it. But I'm interested to know how how it was on the other side. Like, did you, did was there, like, a lot of, <laughs> was there a lot of talk about true crime at your high school? On the other side, that's actually really funny. Um, <laughs> there's mostly only talk about, like, Friends episodes, so. Or Bachelor in Paradise mm, at yeah, my school. a lot of that at ours, too. Same at mine, but nothing really about that show can cross cultural boundaries (laughs) it really can private to public school man but um julia what about you um i haven't had like a lot of experience with true crime i just watched this 60 minutes thing on a 
father who killed his whole his whole family and he dumped them in oil tanks so oh my gosh I don't know if you heard about that on the news. That was the last thing that I watched. But I mainly like to watch The Office, so this is something new for me. Look at that. So yes. does Emma. Bunch of office nerds in here. True. Holla. I have not watched past season five. That's fine. You That's can stop it there. Peaks. That's it where it's good. There. That's where it's completely fine with me. I'm I'm excited that you guys are here, especially because the case that we're going to be talking about today is so like well, let's just say that I picked you guys in specific to be on this case um we're going to be talking about brock turner today which is like a very controversial subject it's come up a lot i do a lot of cases on this podcast that are like this happened in the 30s this happened in the 70s because if you don't know there was like a weird thing that happened where in the 70s and 80s randomly like a lot of serial killers started to show up in Mm -hmm. especially in the united states so I talk about a lot of things from the past, but this is something that I actually remember happening. Like, I remember hearing about this on the news. I was in my freshman year of high school, I guess, when this happened. Oh, yeah, I remember And I remember hearing about it. And I feel like this case going so public was really, like, the beginning of... It It kind of paved the way for Me Too and all those other... All, like, these other movements and Jeffrey Epstein recently. Like, I feel like all this media attention to finally talking about, like, sexual assault really did stem from this case being so public it really like shocked the nation i think it really shocked me too so yeah and it really i think opened up the conversation about campus sexual assault i never heard about that before this case Mm -hmm. i think we were at an interesting point in our lives too though that like we wouldn't have heard about it that much a few just a few years before because of how young we were so i think it was an interesting point in our lives when we were reaching I don't know, adolescence and yeah. finding out like as the whole country was turning to be more invested in this topic as well. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I'm very, very excited to share with you guys today. I have done lots of research on this case because I wanted to make sure, especially I feel like with the cases where the victims and people involved are still alive. And I mean, I'm careful on all the cases, but especially on those ones, because in case they listen or they hear about it or anything like that try to be respectful but i say i say we just get into it you guys ready for this let's do it yeah okay so today we're talking about the case is formally known as the people of california versus brock turner and like i was saying this happened only a few years ago it happened in 2015 and then the case was kind of settled however you could say settled in 2016 just a warning also guys i'm kind of losing my voice so if it starts to sound weird at all during the show, that is the reason why. It's because I'm losing my voice. Just before we start actually talking about the case, I think that we should talk about a few different like legal definitions. Just so when I'm talking about it, you guys know what I mean. And then also I want to like give a warning. So um, Emily Doe, who's the victim in this case, or today we can call her by her name, Chanel Miller. I know people like to call them like survivors instead yeah. of like victims too. Survivors, victims, yeah. She has some parts of her statement that are very graphic that might be kind of upsetting to some people who are listening. So I want to know, like, let you know quickly, if you're a survivor of sexual assault, there's always someone you can talk to. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673, and they also have an online chat. It's available 24 hours a day. So if you feel like you want to speak up or you feel like this is upsetting in any way check that out great resource 
And then the only definition I really want to give before we start is, um, so there's something in this case that's called digital rape. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this term. I I haven't, actually. So just so you know, also, for the very first part of this case, I'm going to be calling Chanel Miller, Emily Doe, up until the point of her releasing her name, Chanel Miller, because I like to tell it chronologically. But um, basically in her statement, she has a lot of parts where she talks about digital rape. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically when someone inserts their hand into another person's body or touches them inappropriately without consent. So it's still penetration and sexual assault, but it's with hands. So just, you know, digital rape. So let's let's get right into it okay so this whole case started on january 17th 2015 so emily doe and her sister were both at home and they decided hey let's go to a frat party like let's go have some fun let's go to a frat party and uh emily was joking about the fact that she was going to be one of the older people who was at this frat party because she was not in college at this point in time she's 22 years old and so they decided like just for fun her sister had come home from college that weekend they're like let's go to a frat a stanford frat party it's only like 10 minutes away from our house let's just go for fun and also really quick i wanted to touch on this just while we're talking about it but like frat party culture is so weird just <laughs> oh, yeah frat culture i've never gone to a frat party Jolay, i know you've gone to a frat party before oh yeah but what was what was that experience like everyone's just standing there you know it's really sweaty there's not a lot of dancing. Sometimes there's a lot of dancing. Mostly it's like weird EDM music. And yeah, everyone's just drinking. It's very weird because I hear all these stories where people talk about like when you're out of fr- people are very aware now. And I think they have been for a long time. Yeah. Just kind of weird that like cover your drink when you walk around or like don't never take a drink from another person yeah, I would like never do that at don't a party don't trust it's literally like don't trust anyone where it's this weird culture of like when you go to a party usually you're going to like have fun but a lot of times at a frat party i feel like people are very like they're half wanting to just have fun and then half very scared because frat parties kind of i feel like maybe i'm wrong but have a reputation of a lot of people like there is a serious threat of sexual assault when well, you're at a frat party yeah, for sure like on college confidential it's like a website where they have different things about different frat parties there's like sae sexual assault expected and yet people still go to these parties to have fun because you know it's college and we're living it up but then also it's like this whole sense of like safety and security that you want to have especially when you're like inhibitions are down with different like substances and stuff you have to really protect yourself yeah. As someone who is not much of a partier, as both of my roommates know. <laughs> By party, the- we're like, Emma, let's go to Krispy Kreme. And you're like, no, no. I just yeah. want to eat hummus. And we're like, Emma, come on. Yep. So with the fear of the frat party and the fact that it's a party, you will probably never find me at one, at least not in the recent future. Yeah, I feel like watch you go to a frat party one day though, right after we record this podcast. I'm planning to go to one. <laughs> an animation Tonight. frat party. Yeah. Yeah, Emma's an animation major. Julie and I are both broadcast journalism and documentary, documentary film majors. majors. Yep. But yeah, it's such a weird I didn't okay, to be honest, I was expecting when we got to college that it would be like fraternities, sororities, like Greek life in general wouldn't be that big of a culture just at schools in general i thought it was kind of like played up by the movies oh yeah i guess 
But I was genuinely surprised by the fact that it's actually a it's, big thing. Like first day of school, I walked into my classes and swarms of sorority girls walked in with all of their t-shirts on and stuff. And it was like kind of t- intimidating and terrifying. And yeah. I was like a red sea of sororities. And my friend Greek Grace isn't even big here at Chapman compared to other universities. It's actually really small. Yeah. My friend Grace was telling me that um, she knows a couple girls that are in a sorority not i think not at chapman but at ucla um so she knows a couple girls that are in a sorority at ucla and whenever they wear their sorority t-shirts there it's like a rule in the house you have to be wearing makeup you have to have your hair done you have to have a cute outfit if you're wearing the sorority shirt or any like sorority apparel merch i don't know because they want other people to see like oh the people that wear that shirt are beautiful and like look good all the time so i'm gonna join that sorority which i think is the weirdest thing ever. oh my gosh that's crazy honestly the whole physical beauty aspect of it is kind of disgusting just I a know bit a lot of people who go to asu and their rush it's not even rush week it's like a period of weekends is awful a friend of a friend was just agonizing over it crying every night because she wasn't the right look for the sorority she wanted Mm. to get into that's so weird that's really gross yeah it's like there's kind of a stereotypical look of like tan blonde with like like just beautiful Mm -hmm. you know like super skinny super it's just like a very weird oh yeah thing I feel like it's less like that at our school, but it's still... It's still there. Yeah, it's still there. Just Greek life in general. Weird concept. Just wanted to touch on that. Uh, But so going back to this actual case. So um, Emily Doe and her sister, they're like, okay, we're going to go to the frat party. It'll be fine. And when they get to the party, everyone is drinking. And when I say everyone is drinking, I mean everyone, including a young student athlete from Stanford named Brock Turner. So he's a freshman at this time, and he had gone to the party, as he said himself, with hopes of hooking up with someone. And while he was at the party, he tried a bunch of times to dance with and kiss uh, a lot of the girls who were there. And that included Emily Doe's sister. He had tried to kiss her, and she pushed him off of her earlier in the night before the like the big incident ever even happened. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Emily Doe gets to the party and she starts drinking uh, really quickly, she said, and she didn't think about the fact that her tolerance for alcohol had gone down since she went to college. Like she couldn't drink as much anymore because she would get way, way drunker fast. So she didn't know anyone there, obviously, because she didn't go to Stanford. And so she's alone and vulnerable pretty much at this frat party. And one of the last things she did before falling into the hands of Brock Turner was she called her boyfriend uh twice actually she called her boyfriend that night and she basically she was like slurring her words and she couldn't talk very well and like she couldn't really say anything that was understandable which is important because if you can't say anything understandable you definitely can't give consent Mm -hmm. and so she called her boyfriend who said go you should really go find your sister like i'm just worried about you i don't want anything to happen to you and pretty soon after that is when she met brock turner so Unfortunately, because the she was uh, pretty drunk that night, Emily Doe didn't remember any of the details of the night. She didn't even remember calling her boyfriend. So what's interesting about this case is that there's kind of two perspectives, which is there's one way that Brock Turner told how the night went. And a lot of people have commented that the way he told it is very weird, 
like a lot of the details don't make any sense and don't really add up that well Mm. and then there's there can only be so much we know because we only know what brock turner said up until people intervened later on in the story so it's very like they were talking in court a lot about how like there's nothing we can do because the only witness of everything that happened was brock turner that's one of the worst things i think about these cases is that's how it always is is that the survivor usually is not able to tell the story and there's only one other person involved yeah so pretty much immediately after um so an inter okay i'm just gonna tell this interesting like thing about this actually is that when brock turner first got questioned about this whole thing he said that he didn't know her name and that the only way he would be able to see her like to know her was to pick her out of a lineup of people and he said just like i don't know her he didn't give many details of the situation but after like he he had to actually lawyer up he suddenly knew like the whole story and he said oh yeah we danced together and we like had drinks together and she was like totally all over me and according to him literally the only three things that she ever said to him throughout the night were yes yes and yes oh my god consent 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 that's all that they didn't say she didn't say anything else just magically boyfriend yeah just magically somehow he can remember yes all of a sudden that that's the only thing he remembers is her giving consent three times but it's really <sighs> he, he this is a podcast i'm gonna let you all know that i am currently rolling my eyes because you can't see it <laughs> <laughs> me too yeah so after um after emily doe had made those calls to her boyfriend she had met brock turner now i'm not going to give a perfect description of what happened up until the point of the actual crime that was committed because i honestly don't believe what brock turner said and i don't want to give any false information on this podcast so all i can say is that um two swedish exchange students are the two witnesses that were kind of key in this trial and they had been riding by the frat on bikes that night and they saw brock turner humping an unconscious body of a half-naked woman behind a dumpster and these two swedish exchange students were named peter lars Jonas johnson and carl frederick arndt Hopefully I pronounced that right. They're Swedish names, so I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. So apparently, um, Jonathan said, well, what the F are you doing? She's unconscious. Like, he yelled that at Brock Turner. And then Brock Turner gets up and he runs away. Like, he starts to bolt away. And basically, they start chasing him on their bikes because they're like, this kid is like, has like raped her. That's what they assumed. And so they chase him on their bikes and then they tackle him to the ground and they hold him there. And um, there's actually a couple sources that have said that when they the switch exchange student testified that when they tackled him down, no, he was smiling because he found the whole situation funny. Like the fact that he was being tackled and stuff. He was like drunk also, but he was like not unconscious, not slurring like he was aware enough, you know, innocent people don't run and don't smile in my experience. So, um. He's chased by these exchange students. They tackle him to the ground and then they call the police. And I just, the thing that I found, like, it's good that they grabbed him, obviously. They tackled him. There are good people in the world, thank God. Like, <laughs> but it is, like, just a sad thought that literally while they're chasing down this guy, uh, Emily Doe is just lying behind a dumpster, half naked on the ground, unconscious. Like, that is a disturbing thought mm-hmm. to me. And it's just like, disgusting and the first thing that she can remember is waking up in a gurney on her way to the hospital 
And when she got to the hospital, she talks about the fact that she reached down for her underwear just to see, just like, that's what she did when she got there because she's wearing all new clothes. She reached down for her underwear and they weren't there. Oh my gosh. And she was told that she may have been assaulted and they did a rape kit on her when she went to the hospital. And while they were in the hospital, they found that she had lacerations, so like cuts and pine needles inside of her vagina from the assault. Oh. So I'm going to read part of her testimony right now because I feel like it's the best way to kind of describe this from her perspective of like what happened after that, after she was in the hospital initially. So this is from um, the, they call it, I believe they call it the victim impact statement. This is what she said. Okay. So she said, one day I was at work scrolling through the news on my phone and came across an article in it. I read and learned for the first time about how I was found unconscious with my hair disheveled, long necklace wrapped around my neck, bra pulled out of my dress, dress pulled off over my shoulders and pulled up around my waist that I was butt naked all the way down to my boots, legs spread apart and had been penetrated by a foreign object by someone I did not recognize. This was how I learned what happened to me sitting at my desk, reading the news at work. I learned what happened to me the same time everyone else in the world learned what happened to me. That's when the pine needles in my hair made sense. They didn't fall from a tree. He had taken off my underwear. His fingers had been inside of me. I didn't even know this person. I still don't know this person. When I read about me like this, I said, this can't be me. This can't be me. I could not digest or accept any of this information. I could not imagine my family having to read about this online. I kept reading. In the next paragraph, I read something that I will never forgive. I read that according to him, I liked it. I liked it. Oh my gosh. So that's straight from her. That's terrible. Waking up and not even knowing what happened to yourself and then finding out that a random stranger violated you in that way. Like, yeah, it's terrifying, actually. I mean, yeah, because she had no idea. Yeah. And the other thing about it is like, how can I mean, she was unconscious, like someone can't like something if they're not conscious, like she's lying on the ground so drunk that she can't even move. Reading, she wrote a 12-page victim impact statement and reading it just leaves you to like totally speechless because it's just so, having to go through that, I can't even imagine. Like she's a very strong person because Mm -hmm. everything she went through is like crazy. Especially because like we're in college too and that like culture is so like prevalent right now and like seeing like really under like understanding where she's coming from like before I was like oh she was like drinking and stuff but then I learned like no means no and like if somebody's unconscious like you don't do that to somebody yeah it's like we watched this video at school I, you guys are gonna know what I'm talking about <laughs> so, like, the tea video oh yeah it's this great video on YouTube about consent and it basically said it's comparing like consent to asking someone if they want tea and there's one thing that there's one part of it where it's like and if a person is unconscious they don't want tea automatically assume that they do not want tea and don't try to pour tea down their throat if they're unconscious because they can't drink the tea yeah they don't want the tea if they are not awake exactly yeah so i thought that was a great way to put it it's like people who i mean people who think that someone being unconscious is just an excuse to you don't take advantage say no to say no yeah 
And the, the other thing about the fact she was drunk is like a lot of people were drunk, you know, like a lot of people were very drunk, I would assume at this frat party. It sounds like everyone was drinking from what she said, but, and, and Brock Turner even says like, I was drinking, I was drinking, it was the alcohol. And I'm like, okay, there were probably a lot of drunk guys there and not all of them sexually assaulted someone. Yeah. He's like a predator. It's not an excuse. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. So, uh, Emily Doe told her family what happened to her and she broke, she talks about how she, you would break down like every single time she'd talk about it at work. She'd come in late. She would leave early. She would have to excuse herself to cry in the stairs, like in the stairwell. She would be crying all the time, scared to sleep, like scared to be alone, couldn't walk around, didn't feel independent and like completely lost her sense of identity basically. And she thought that after this event, there would be like a, some sort of a settlement and that Brock Turner would just like admit guilt and then go down quietly. But she was very, very wrong. Brock Turner got arrested January 18th, 2015. Um, he was, oh no, sorry. He didn't get arrested that day. He got arrested on, I believe the 12th. And in on January 18th, he was banned from ever coming to Stanford ever again. Uh, USA Swimming said they would never allow him to swim for them, so he couldn't ever have a career in swimming anymore. Okay, and then on January 28th, 2015, they indicted Turner and sa- for these charges. Rape of an intoxicated person, rape of an unconscious person, sexual penetration by a foreign object of an unconscious woman, sexual penetration by a foreign object of an intoxicated woman, assault with intent to commit rape. Because she, the assault one is, she had scrapes and cuts and bruises all over her hands and her knees and her elbows. And she, she talks about how when she woke up on the gurney, all she saw was that her hands were like covered in blood. And it was because when she fell, he's like holding her on the ground. She's getting all scraped up and stuff like that. So it's just, Mm. yeah, pretty awful. And for a year, they fought in court in this trial. Turner like lawyered up pretty much immediately got these amazing lawyers he was going to Stanford he had a swimming scholarship but he was still like loaded um so he lawyers up and they try to make out Chanel Miller Emily Doe like she's this crazy party animal and that she was like drunk all the time and that like she she had done this with a lot of guys and that she was all like she she was just this crazy person and totally making this all up and that they also said that since she was rubbing his back, like they said that um, when he pushed her down and started to touch her, she was rubbing his back at first. So that equals consent, I guess, is what they oh, were arguing no, that, so. that that meant that she liked it. But she even points out in her um, statement, like rubbing your back is not consent. Like that does not mean consent, especially at that level of intoxication. Like she had no idea what she was doing. And... um. They claim that since she couldn't remember anything, uh, only Brock could really tell what happened in the story and that the Swedish people who had attacked him had just it was more of a case of Brock Turner, the student who had been assaulted than Chanel Miller, the student, the woman who had been sexually assaulted. Mm, So they flipped it. Yeah, it was pretty stupid, (laughs) to be honest. I wrote in my notes a lot. I was like, this is BS. Like I wrote that in my notes. Um. And people throughout this trial would constantly bring up the fa- his swimming career and all this stuff that had been taken away from him. Like, he can't go to college anymore and he can't go to, he can't be a pro swimmer anymore. And I'm like, I don't care. Good. That ain't relevant. So after a, a really, really long trial with a lot of character assassination of Emily Doe, 
On March 30th, 2016, Turner was found guilty of three felonies, assault with intent to rape an intoxicated woman, sexually penetrating an intoxicated person with a foreign object, and sexually penetrating an unconscious person with a foreign object. So he is charged for all of those crimes. How many days did he get? Days? Or how, like, how long was, like, for jail, like, how long was it? Oh, Ooh, I will talk about this. Interesting. I think there was an yep. uproar about that. It was bad. Yeah, that's what made this case famous, pretty much. So Emily Doe, she talked a lot about the fact that it very much bothered her that throughout the entire trial, like, Brock Turner didn't take any responsibility for sexual assault. He only took, like, his big thing. He was like, I shouldn't have drinking. Like, drinking is evil. I'm so sorry that I had anything to drink and, like, underage drinking, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why don't you say, I'm so sorry that I assaulted you. I'm so sorry that I, like, I tried to take advantage of you. Like, there, there's more things to be apologetic for people. Like, exactly. Ugh, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it, it makes no sense. People, like, he was 18, at least. No, he was 19. He was 19 and drinking. The legal drinking age in almost all of Europe and Canada is 18, 19. Like, you should be able to handle yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So judges said that these, like, set of crimes usually carried a 6 to a 13-year sentence. And the prosecution actually recommended six, saying since he was knowledgeable about the crime and he physically tried to hide her behind a dumpster that he should go to prison. But in the end, after interviewing with a probation officer, uh, Judge Persky decided to give Brock Turner these sentences. Okay. He had to register as a sex offender. No. Boo-hoo. Like, of course. <laughs> um, he had three years of probation. Okay. And six months in Santa Clarita County Jail. Oh, my gosh. Like, he took um, Emily Doe's identity from her, and here he is getting six months. Like, kind of like a slap on the wrist. And wait for this. He got out after three, baby. For three months? Good behavior. Three months. Ugh. That is so... You, six That's to nothing. 13 years. And he only got three months. Because he it was his first offense and he was just a kid and he oh. had a swimming career. The whole just a kid thing is the most annoying excuse ever. Oh, exactly. I mean, he was 18, what, 19? If he was 19, I mean, he's an adult. You can't use the, oh, he was just a kid. Especially when his, his intent was to be a predator, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, the fact that this, it really sends a message to people who are victims of sexual assault that says, it's fine. I mean, what happened to you, it's not that bad. It's just, like his dad talked about, it was just 20 minutes of his life. It was just 20 minutes of her life. You Mm. have no idea. Just 20 minutes, but it's going to impact the rest of it forever. Yeah. I know his whole family was very upset that he has to register as a sex offender. And that's what, like, sexual predators always say. Like, oh, it's ruining my life. It's like, well, you already ruined the victims. So, like, am I supposed to feel bad for you? Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. Have you, either of you guys watched 13 Reasons Why? No. Yes. I've watched it, but I've read the book. And the book is way better. Have I you seen season three it. at all? Oh, no. That's a or t- two. No. I couldn't even watch the last episode, honestly. Okay. Well, I'll let you know this. They really tried to imitate this case in 13 Reasons Why. That's for sure. Because the whole plot of season two is trying to get this guy who's a rapist, Bryce, um, 
trying to get him to go to prison, basically, to actually get charged for the, his crimes. Um, and Emma, that's a big spoiler for you, but whatever. I am never. Basically, the on whole thing is it, that so it's okay. She read the book. No, I think that it dramatizes and romanticizes both suicide and rape too much. Okay, so you're to right. all our listeners, don't watch it because it's dumb. But the book doesn't romanticize rape. I think it's just the movie. I don't the think show. the show romanticizes it that like very much at all. Uh, season three is kind of did the suicide for they sure. They did, yeah. But the whole thing is like trying to get this guy charged for rape, and it's like they go through this whole trial. Um, the victim, Jessica. She gives her victim impact statement. So she gives this whole statement. It even starts off the same way that um, Emily Doe's statement started off. And it's like almost exactly the same. Like lay out everything. And it ends with him getting probation but no jail time. Oh my gosh. So that's like basically what happens. And I watched it and then I was researching about this case. And I was like, oh my gosh. They really like I I was outraged when I saw that a lot of people were outraged and like super upset. It didn't matter who you were. People were upset because they could just think, oh, this is fictional. But this really happened. Like this is my life. Like at my school, we watched this documentary called The Hunting Ground about like rape on college campuses and how like college campuses try to like hide that. And it's so prevalent. And most of the like before, like before they like anxiety like they use like the title nine clause before like guys would just get like a slap on the wrist for this and like it kind of like shows how like our culture is also changing too because with like the me too movement and everything it's like coming to the limelight like hey this isn't okay like people deserve to be punished for their actions yeah for sure and i that's actually the next thing in my notes is that this started a huge conversation about punishment for sexual assault as well as the culture of sexual assault on campus like the fact that it shouldn't just be a slap on the wrist like you should know regardless of being a student like if you assault someone else you're going to go to jail for it um judge persky the guy who gave him this sentence was actually there was a petition that went around that got a million signatures which called for his resignation he is no longer a judge thank Yay. goodness he actually and did you read this he got fired ago, got fired from, from his, his job yeah t- teaching young girls tennis yes he was fired as a tennis coach a good i mean well if i was a young girl on that tennis team i would probably quit if he was okay with letting brock turner get away with what he did yeah it's pretty it's interesting that he decided to do that job out of all the jobs it's very strange yeah and in case you were wondering today well that was that was four days ago and in in case you're wondering today in 2019 brock turner works at a place called tark incorporated which basically sells like refrigerating units and things like that uh he has an entry-level position this is a quote someone gave to the daily mail which says he worked in shipping and receiving he's now in quality control he's been with us for just over two years they said he's really quiet and polite. He doesn't say much and he's not really chatty with anyone. He just keeps his head down and does his job. No problems. Which, I mean, so apparently he's just not in school, not swimming, not doing any of that stuff, just working a normal job. And I hope that he learned something from this whole case oh, that he's yeah. never going to do that or any of like repeat his actions ever again. It's pretty disgusting. Mm hmm. And as you guys know, as we talked about a little bit in the beginning of this, 
Emily Doe, as I've been referring to her um, pretty much this whole time, has made some big news recently by being a badass. And September 4th, it was announced that um, she would be coming forward for the first time since this trial happened in 2015. Her name is Chanel Miller. Okay. She is going to be coming out with an episode of 60 Minutes soon. Oh, wow. Actually. And talking about her experience and reading her victim impact statement out loud. Is she writing a book? Yes, she's releasing a book called Know My Name, uh, a memoir. It's out later this month, I believe September 26th. Um, So first time she's ever become, you know, a public figure. She's not anonymous anymore. She wrote this whole book, um, which I think is awesome. I mean, her victim impact statement, uh, over 11 million people read it. Wow. And... Hopefully that many people will read her book because she is such an important part of like our whole culture today, really. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. shaped it for sure. And she's just, I think she's totally badass and a very, very strong person. So I'm I'm excited to be able to know her name a little more about her and read her book when it comes out for sure. And um, I want to close out talking about this case by giving like the ending of her statement it's a little long but i really think it's worth listening to if you don't want to read the entire 12 page statement i don't know why you wouldn't it is super interesting and great to read but i think she kind of gives a a really great ending here so this is chanel miller's words to conclude i want to say thank you to everyone from the intern who made me oatmeal when i woke up at the hospital that morning to the deputy he waited beside me to the nurses who calmed me, to the detective who listened to me and never judged, to my advocates who stood unwaveringly beside me, to my therapist who taught me to find courage and vulnerability, to my boss for being kind and understanding, to my incredible parents who teach me how to turn pain into strength, to my grandma who snuck chocolate into the courtroom throughout this to give me, my friends who remind me how to be happy, to my boyfriend who was patient and loving, to my unconquerable sister who is the other half to my heart, to all that I might have said that wrong. My idol who fought tirelessly and never doubted me. Thank you to everyone involved in the trial for their time and attention. Thank you to girls across the nation that wrote cards to my DA to give me so many strangers who cared for me. Most importantly, thank you to the two men who saved me, who I have yet to meet. I sleep with two bicycles that I drew taped above my bed to remind myself that there are heroes in this story, that we are looking out for one another. To have known all of these people, to have felt their protection and love is something I will never forget. And finally, to girls everywhere, I am with you. On nights when you feel alone, I am with you. When people doubt you or dismiss you, I am with you. I fought every day for you, so never stop fighting. I believe you. As the author Anne Lamott once wrote, lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. Although I can't save every boat, I hope that by speaking today, you absorbed a small amount of light, a small knowing that you can't be silenced, a small satisfaction that justice was served, a small assurance that we are getting somewhere and a big, big knowing that you are important, unquestionably, you are untouchable, you are beautiful, you are to be valued, respected, undeniably, every minute of every day. You are powerful and nobody can take that away from you. To girls everywhere, I am with you. Thank you. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, I have chills. But I have goosies over here. Actual goosies. She's an amazing writer. Oh, totally. But I really think it can't be summed up better than she said it herself so chanel miller 
You're an icon. You're a very strong person, clearly. And I will definitely be buying your book. Me know too. her name. Know her name. And for that, I just want to say that is the end of this case. That is the conclusion of, I would not say it anymore that it's the, the Brock Turner case. The Chanel Miller mm-hmm. survival story. Yes. 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 So, yeah. What did you guys think? What this was fun. What are your takeaways on this whole like um story in general as i just said this, this was fun that was referring to the <clears throat> podcast not, not to not the, to the case. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, what are your takeaways final thoughts on the whole case well i really liked it came full circle like she was a victim she now she's a survivor and now she's telling like she's writing her own book and we were, were able to read that and as a country and as like a college student i really appreciate that like so i can hear her voice and i like i'm gonna feel like I feel like uplifted by that. Thank you, Jolea. What would you guys say, like, as college students, what does this story, like, this whole survival story mean to you? Like, I mean, to all of us, just because we are in college right now. Like, well, it's we're a in the story middle of, of it. hope for me, I think. Like, despite your circumstances, despite her circumstances, she persisted. Like, nevertheless, she persisted with everything. Oh, yes and that's like a pinterest quote but i just inserted it right here in your podcast emma (laughs) it's such a like great mantra we can't be afraid we can't be silenced we must persist exactly and create change make things better yeah i would say it's just really like it's definitely scary sometimes to think about the fact that like we are on a college campus it is like a thing that happens that you hear about and it's really like scary I know at a school really close to ours, Cal State Fullerton, like just a few days ago, they got report that someone had been raped on campus. Yeah. It's like really, I mean, I'm sure every one of us knows someone who's been a victim of sexual assault. So it's just very, it's scary. But seeing someone like Chanel Miller, who was assaulted and came out the other end, like a very strong person and is like very open to talk about her struggles. It's, I definitely think it's very inspiring. Exactly. But on that note, I think it's time for us to transition into my favorite segment on the show. Happy things. So this is a segment. We're just going to say like one good thing that happened to you throughout this past week. Like one, any one good thing that like made your day better, something you're looking forward to, just something good in your life because we just talked about a bunch of sad stuff. <laughs> so let's talk about some happy things. Uh, Emma, you want to go first? Oh gosh, I'm so bad at thinking of answers up on like upon the spot. Uh, we can go to Julia uh, first if you want. Sure, if you're ready. Okay, can I say two things? Yeah, of course. So, number one, I just got into a new series called oh my New Girl. God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. Jolea has been sitting on her bed watching <laughs> New Girl with headphones in, and then she'll just start bursting out laughing at random times. I'm obsessed with New Girls. Like, if you want to talk about, if you want to talk to me about New Girls, hit me up. I'd be happy to talk to you about that show. I love that show so much. I think that's my newfound joy. I'm on episode 21. Oh 21. And she started this like 48 hours ago, guys. No, like yesterday. Yesterday. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my my gosh. second thing that really made me happy today was eating some queso with chips. Oh my gosh. So good. We had dinner right before this. We had tacos. 
We had queso. We had shout some out to guacamole. Emma's mom. That was good. Mm-hmm. We love some good queso. Yes, it was so good. Okay, all Emma. right. I'm ready. It's very vague, but I just am really loving all of my classes right now. Oh, like, I can't know. relate. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said this before in my life. Like I was texting one of my friends who's still in high school. And I was like, I've literally never said this in my life. Maybe when I was like eight, but I'm excited to go to school tomorrow. Like Aww, my professors cute. are so nice. My Aww. classes are all really fun and they're like hard, but in a good way. And you're even, taking like, Latin. That looks hard. I am taking Latin. I it is no hard. I have no idea why you're doing that, but. Honestly, I don't either. <laughs> I really don't. We were literally, guys. you got back and you're like, I'm taking Latin. And we were like, isn't that a dead language <laughs> you were like yes latin is the language of love oh, i my, thought that was I, spanish i thought it was no french, french. it's french's french. language of love go. oh my mom was Bonjour. a little bit upset about it she was like of all the languages you could have chosen to take you picked the one that no one speaks anymore i have a teacher that can dream in latin actually really yeah but i, I want to get to that point that'd be cool she can also dream in italian and french so she just be special like that wow. so yeah, I am definitely not there with Latin right now. I wrote a sentence on the board the other day because I thought I had it perfect, and I was so wrong, and I felt so bad, but my awesome professor was like, thank you for making those mistakes on purpose to help the rest of us learn. And it made me feel so good. Like, Aww. it's like, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, not making you feel, like, weird about it. Yeah. What made you happy, Emma? Mm, yes, I happy things. I had a... Oh, easy. Okay, on... Saturday, I saw Pretty Much It, which is like my, my favorite comedy duo who do, does like movie reviews and stuff. I saw one of their live shows. The reason I was thinking about Thirteen Reasons Why is because they were doing a, they were doing reactions to like they're doing Thirteen Cities and they're watching Thirteen Reasons Why episode three, one episode in every city. So I saw them do Thirteen Reasons Why episode eight in Los Angeles. They were amazing. They were so funny. I literally like they make. Okay, so the show is like very meh in my personal opinion, but they made it like they had so much like great commentary and they were just wonderful. And I love them so much. And it's like really cool to see someone that you admire so much in person. And like I got to meet them after they did like a meet and greet. I literally. Okay, I'm like low-key celebrity crush is jacob shao from pretty much it i love him Ooh. and i got to meet him and i was like freaking out my friend emily and i were both freaking out so it was very fun very exciting and that is definitely my happy thing for can this i past say week. one more happy thing yes um emma came over to my house to help me film yes. something for my documentary and we still have one more day to film but like have it all come together that's really cool so yeah. yeah julia got her braids done and they looked so they still look so cool like so good thanks so with that i think it's time to end the podcast right there so thank you guys so so much for listening it has been a crazy week of podcast stuff i have been working hard to kind of like get a bunch of stuff ready for you guys and it's kind of like exciting i'm i can't like talk about it really any bit right now which i know is annoying but i promise there's Uh, really cool stuff coming i've been getting to see a lot of statistics and stuff about you guys which like your favorite artists and things like that and the fact that like all the countries you guys come from which is amazing like finland what's up italy what's up uh uk what's up hello it's been (laughs) i'm gonna stop now sorry you guys like absolutely amazing 
uh just getting to see reference from and i even know like what your most listened to artists are on spotify which is kind of funny like y'all have good music taste they like taylor swift okay post malone um the beatles and oh, ed yes. sheeran currently looking at a giant beautiful poster a of the beatles. Yeah. beatles poster in here i have audrey hepburn sing street elvis and the beatles love it I'm j- i've just been working on a ton of podcast stuff for you guys so i'm very excited to get to that and i just wanted to say thank you so much for listening as always you can find us everywhere on social media at horrible things podcast including facebook which like no one uses that anymore but it's there if you want to go to it um if you feel like becoming a patron and you want to have some bonus content every month and you want me to say your name at the end of the shows uh you can find us online at patreon.com slash horrible things and most importantly just share this show with your friends if you can if you enjoy listening to it show your grandma show your roommates show uh just you know post random signs on the street uh (laughs) and just you know share it with your friends because this that's how the podcast really like gets to new people and all that jazz so yeah thank you guys so much really quick you guys want to plug your emma what's what's something you want to plug right um emma's favorite animation major has an art account that's me um it's at stretch maybe sketch on instagram that's a reference from when will my life begin from tangled in case you were curious um but yeah and if you want to see my face it'll be on their instagrams probably but my instagram account is private and my Instagram account is Jolea underscore J-O-L-A-Y-A underscore. Heck yeah. And you can find sick videos of her skating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a part of a skater squad. Go look at my highlights. I love Guy Fieri. He's on my account too. You're going to have a fun time. And with that, I would just tell you guys to remember, keep persisting. Eat some queso and chips. And most importantly... Don't do horrible things!